0: Welcome to the Eclectic Gamers podcast. Today is Sunday, November 14th. This is episode 154. Mm -hmm. Our return to standard. We're in a normal place, not a
1: random hotel with the air conditioner screaming along in the background while we record. We even used lapel mics, so that could have still been an okay recording. I just... I don't use that recorder much. And I was like, if anything, I worried the gain would be too low. And it wasn't, we weren't, we didn't blow it out. We weren't over peaking. I should have just, I should have seen either to figured out how to turn off that AC, which I don't know. I ran the whole time.
0: Yeah. Uh, And I don't know how much it would have mattered considering when you opened our window to look outside, all we saw were like the four large air conditioning units, three feet from our window for the entire hotel.
1: Yeah, it wasn't, (laughs) that was an interesting, let's just say (laughs) that it wasn't the Drury in Frisco.
0: Correct.
1: That it, was it that was that was no drury It was abomination. I'm Tony. Uh, no, I'm not, not. I'm not Tony. Not Tony. <laughs> oh, gosh! No, I we're not back man. to normal. Wow. I need another vacation. So I wouldn't <laughs> mind going on another one because it has not been fun since getting oh, back. Oh god, it hasn't. It's been so horrible. <laughs> it's so terrible. Well, I <laughs> need Tony. Yes. What have you been doing, Tony, since you got back? Well. I've mainly
0: been working around the house.
1: Specifically, Mm. uh, I've been
0: organizing. uh, I've been working on my battle station because it's been rough. It got away from me in 2020 and I didn't do anything to it and it got piled up. And Honestly, you know how uh, sometimes you'll just start stacking stuff like on a table and eventually it just becomes the junk table where everything gets just tossed and then lost. That's basically what my battle station turned into. So I had... My keyboard area was free and I could see my monitors, but I've got two huge bat wings because I have a huge corner desk and they were so full of crud that there were periods of time where I couldn't even use my TV because there was so much stuff stacked in front of the TV. So I have completely cleared all that off and I purchased a rolling TV stand and mounted my TV to it. So my TV is not even on my desk anymore. I have it uh, pushed uh, behind the desk and it is um, between the desk and my campus queen now, hmm. but that frees that entire desk up because it ate about three quarters between that during the TV, the TV's legs and the sound bar, it ate up about half to three quarters of the real estate on that side of the desk. And then I just only use the only other thing I did was, uh, was set my work laptop over there on top of whatever it was, whatever was over setting over there. Because I was work my, I run my work laptop through the television. so I have gotten that whole setup off of my desk. So that whole that whole left side of my desk is completely clear. The right side of my desk is almost completely clear. Um, it's getting to the point where I'll actually be able to use my desk space for what I used to use it for, like you know doing hobby work and, 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 and working on projects and stuff. Uh, so that's really nice. Um, in addition to that, I've been organizing stuff around the house and, and cleaning up stuff and just kind of getting everything pulled together. I think that vacation, I needed it a lot more than I thought I did because when I came back, I actually had like energy and drive and I cared about doing stuff, which I, lately I haven't, I just go home and hang out with the family and play games and not do any of the type of stuff that I really need to. Uh. But after that I had a lot of energy, so I've been keeping busy and getting stuff organized. Now if I can get things going as well at work, we'll be good.
1: Well, I have uh I have not been doing a lot of stuff around the house so much. I did a few worked on a couple watch watch projects that I one I'm I'm doing for someone else and one that I tried to do on my own, which didn't work out. A lot of those don't work out, which is Fine. They were all really cheap things to learn. I'm a, I'm a learner. I'm a learner. I'm learning how to, I can now strip a watch apart in about 35 minutes. Putting it back together, that's another, <laughs> a little bit of another story. Um, but you successfully put some back together. Mm hmm and um and i i put windows 11 on this recording computer which as an interesting fyi to only us i've now closed my voice meter app because that is not the microsoft that is not the microphone array apparently windows 11 is now finally arraying knowing that we have two microphones plugged in. Oh, wow. So we're going to see how that work. I mean, we did a test record with it already. Right. But I looked at the voice meter and I all of a sudden saw that we weren't having anything flashing up on the inputs anymore uh, hmm. after I rebooted it. And I was like, oh, wait, but it's, it's still working. So finally, maybe I can not use a yet another layer of app. And... Microsoft may balance our gain a lot better than me trying to manually do it. So Hopefully. yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it turns out. We'll um, other than uh, watch project stuff, in terms of sort of what we talk about here, uh, I did finish the quote unquote main ending of Hades. Like I got the credits to roll. So that's winning at 10 times. Yeah. getting Escaping 10 times is sort of that threshold. So I'm still playing that towards the epilogue uh, because there is apparently an epilogue because I see there's an achievement for one. Um, I also I did yesterday. In fact, I played my Aliens uh, Fire Team game, which is kind of like a Left for Dead with Aliens. Yeah. Okay. The first time I played it, uh, I played it by myself with bots. Last night I played it and I had one bot, but I had one human player. I didn't have my headset or anything. I couldn't finish. I couldn't finish the game. It. I'm assuming I was at the end of the level. I don't know for sure that that was true, but. The other person just quit playing that game. Never times them out. Like they had not been moving. They were back like three rooms away from me. I had to keep going back. There was just infinitely spawning aliens. I had done all the objectives in the room you were supposed to be in. Mm -hmm. It wouldn't let us move on. I'm like, that is a fatal flaw. Because someone can just <laughs> I, I don't I don't assume they meant to troll me, but it's like I can't finish the lab gone through all of this and just me and a bottom supposed to it's supposed to be a three person thing doing all this work, killing all these Uber aliens, and then it's just like <sighs> just
0: they were probably sitting there waiting for you to say something to them.
1: I, they They play, just, just, just crossed their arms. You because know, he talks to me, I'm not gonna I, move I don't know. Look, I saved them. I went back and saved them because an alien had them on the ground. and I was just like, oh, oh, I should have. I, I, I mean, they weren't playing when we first started the level, and then they did start to play, and then they quit playing after we got like halfway through where we got. And I'm just like, I don't know, but maybe I need to see if there's a way to just say don't let me play with human beings, but they tend normally humans do better than bots, so I usually want there to be human beings. But, but now they're going to be like that. Speaking of like that, we have a bunch of stuff. Uh, actually, not really. <laughs> I'm going to say it that way so that the that the audience is excited. Uh, the first thing I thought we should do. Obviously, we talked a little bit more about the uh, about the hotel and recording gate as we now refer to it. <laughs> but but we did record our. Uh, episode before expo was done we did we actually recorded it in the morning of saturday and expo expo ran all day saturday and then there was a sunday for just people in the tournament which no one cares about or at least we don't care about because we weren't in the tournament so there are a few items i wanted i wanted to touch on first one is we did get an email from michael w and i want to go ahead and read that aloud here and this is what michael wrote to us at eclectic at gmail.com hi guys Not sure if you remember me saying this, but two years ago, I warned you, don't go to Expo. It's not worth it. Well, now I think you see why, correct? I'm still making the plug that you should really check out MCG. Much better show than Expo. I think you guys were spot on with your assessment. Cheers, Mike. Well thank you, Michael, for saying I told you so to Tony and me. I did remember someone had warned us about Expo. I didn't remember who. Yeah. I think it was more than one person. I actually. Had like <laughs> okay. <weeks ago. laughs> okay. So 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 yes, we ignored your warnings. It's not that it's not driven by a desire to prove you wrong. Instead, it was driven by a desire to take a vacation take a vacation and we had already decided that if some reason like if there was like an epsilon variant of covid and and expo got canceled we were still going to go to chicago and just go and eat stuff yeah <laughs> that was gonna be the strategy really we find a museum or something we would do something we'd find something so that was the main thing plus part of my uh reasoning behind expo was so many industry people were there i mean we didn't meet a lot of people that that listen to the show or are involved in the hobby in some way. Mm-hmm. So in terms of being a good get together with other pinball people, I mean, I think you and Tony and I only went out to eat dinner. Just the two of us one night out of that, out of four.
0: It. And we were invited to others. It's just, you know, we were hungry at the time. Most people eat yeah. dinner. Yes. Like seven o'clock. Yeah. And all the invitations to dinner started rolling in around nine.
1: Yeah, it was. And I, I get it. The tournament and stuff yeah. was delaying people. So, so anyway, so in, in those regards, it was really good. I also think that the vendor area, I thought the vendor area was pretty impressive. It was the free play area that was right. abysmal, and the, um, quite frankly, asinine decision to charge $60 to go to the seminars. And the reason why I'm willing to say it's asinine is. They live streamed them for free. Yeah. I didn't even realize that until after Expo, but they live streamed all of that other than the Stern tour. The virtual tour was not online, but everything oh, else geez, was anything for a virtual tour either. I mean, so, you know, there's also a lot of there's a lot of changes that I think Expo really should consider. I mean, they does not need to do anything. Again, I'm big on now this whole. Do you really need to try? Because uh, so many people in pinball just sort of t- tolerate whatever
0: at this point. Oh, yeah. You can do anything you want to a pinball person. They
1: don't yeah. care. Yeah. So I guess they don't need to change. But, I mean, this is why I don't, unless Expo has a, a big change, uh, or unless someone, like, wants to pay my flight, I'm not really inclined to go back either. Yeah. Now, I've heard good things about MGC other than I I think, if it's the one I'm thinking of, I haven't heard great things about their tournament. But I don't usually play in the tournaments. I, tournament, so. See, I
0: think the most – Oh, I think the roughest thing out of Exable for me, we didn't talk about on our last episode because it happened after our last episode. And that was, you know, on Saturday at 5 p.m. When the free play area is open till two in the morning at 5 p.m. When we were walking around the free play area, like half of the machines were being packed up. Mm. And there were giant gaps where machines had been taken out and things yeah. were just getting hauled
1: away. Yeah, that's a good point. It was extremely noticeable, uh, extremely disturbing. To see. I mean, it was sad, I guess. but Yeah. It just, it, and the fact that so many were down. And I did see techs on the floor trying, but right. there were so many. It, to me, it was very clear that a number of those games had not been gone through before they had showed up. And... I, and I guess we're just spoiled from Texas pinball festival where I think I heard Ron Hallett over on the slam tilt podcast, describe it this way, that that Texas seems like a almost a show off show where there are these people bringing their restored games. And so i like, look at me, look at how awesome my game is. And then there's expo, which is like, here, we have to fill some space. So let's just throw a bunch of old crap and not even show, show if it works or not. Right. Sort of thing. So it's like, because
0: there were several machines that I wanted to try, and mm. I wanted to play, and they were not—they were not functional on day
1: yeah. one, and they were not functional on Saturday when we left. It seemed like maybe I was wrong. It seemed like the free play area of Expo had more rare pinball machines than I see at TPF. Yeah, pity I couldn't play hardly any of them. Uh, I will say one thing though: uh, the arcade games at Expo—that was a good. So whoever did that—that that was a good setup. Yes. I
0: like the arcade games. The arcade games uh, were from a lot of them. I don't know. I don't know if it was all of them. but I did. I have been talking with uh, a
1: listener, and they're from Galloping Ghost. Oh, arcade the arcade
0: brought a bunch okay. of
1: them. Well, that the arcade game showing they were. I, mean, I, I get it. They're easier to get working than pinball, but but they worked. They had some interesting, unique ones. I mean, I know some people were really excited to see the the Beavis and Butthead prototype that was there, but they just the arcades were impressive. So I, Ken Walker, okay, is who I was talking
0: to. Good old Ken. Uh, uh, we were talking about some of the stuff up there, but yeah, he said a lot of the games. Let's see. I'm going back through old messages. I know he said that a bunch of them though came from Galloping Ghost.
1: Okay. Well, well anyway, that that part was good. They had a, a really nice assortment. Uh, there were a number of them. Fifty-five. There's, they brought fifty-five games. Okay. So that part was really, stu- you know, there are arcade games at TPF. Uh, they're usually in one little row, kind of off on the, I, I've usually played a few when I'm there. Yeah. Uh, so, but this, I thought, well, I thought this arcade setup was more impressive. It was. was also, kudos to whoever the, the group was that brought that weird rat race uh, game where you, two players are controlling the, Yes. that was fun.
0: That, with the, that was next to the joust.
1: Yes, um, yes. Uh, and I, uh, we know uh, someone uh, with a Joust, so I, I've played plenty of Joust, but Rat Race, that was weird. So, so that one, I, I was glad that was there. So uh, just, there were some highlights. There were some gems in the rough of the free play area. Just uh, not as many gems as one would have hoped, especially when it came to pinball machines. But, you know, we don't have any control over that. Let's see,
0: Ken mentioned them. There was uh, Phoebe and Larry's Joust, Rat Trap, and Varka.
1: Okay, I didn't try the Barcom. I didn't but, try the Barcom, but anyway, it was a light Yeah, they had a cool setup, and they were really good about explaining what to do. And it was it was the there was a good way to do it. It was like a little a little vendor of three really cool games. Yeah, and so I I had fun with that. Um, I will say, uh, and I kind of touched on this actually on a on a watch video I did, but again, we don't talk about watches on this on the <laughs> show except when they relate to pinball. So I did wear my Ricochet watch yes. when I was up there, the, the pinball-themed watch designed by Ryan Clater that was sold through Mr. Jones Watches. And they, they did a limited run, but they are at some point going to make it a part of the permanent collection. So I do have a link in the show notes to at least the limited run one so you can see what it looks like. But I have never in my entire life had so many people ask me about a watch.
0: Oh, man. It, it was getting to the point where I was like,
1: "Oh dear God, yes, it's a watch. I understand. It looks cool." <laughs> so they were like, "Oh, they see the they see the robots and stuff. They love that, and then they're not sure how to tell the time, or they don't have their glasses and they can't read the time because yeah. the time is all on on these little oh, on yeah. dials." It is it, so a very a
0: beautiful watch. It.
1: it is amazing.
0: I love it, uh, but it is definitely a show watch because it's it's not it's not a super easy. To read no, 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 So beautiful. I'm amazed you did not wear out the clasp, though. Taking it off so
1: many times so people could yeah, I just so like, they could let him look at the time yeah. and stuff. I uh, yeah, I just take it off. So <laughs> I did have an Instead interview. Just, slamming yeah, your face just like how, in how, about face? Now? how about yeah How <laughs> about So no, so but I did actually. I had an interview with Ryan Clater on my watch channel, and I had asked him like, how many people did he think would come up to him with the watch on? At the next show he goes to what I should have said is how many people are going to ask me about it next time I wear one to a pinball event because holy cow it was I've never I I never it was it was weird. There were
0: people stopping us and asking about the watch who didn't know who you
1: were which was impressive because I thought everybody knew who you were. No I'm a nobody in this I'm not a pinball ambassador I'm a nobody in this hobby. But speaking of not nobody's in this hobby, I wanted to also talk a little bit about homebrew games because we played some on Saturday, but I don't think either of us had touched any before then, or at least we didn't bring it up on the episode. Yeah. So I ended up playing uh, Castlevania and Ghost in the Shell. I enjoyed them both. I enjoyed Castlevania more. I talked to the creator of Ghost in the Shell, and and he and I had corresponded before in the past. So that one, uh, Ghost in the Shell has the really cool uh, ramp, which has both... It's both entrances and exits. So you can go in both ways and yep. it exits both ways, which is really cool. Uh, and then Castlevania had these two pop bumpers over on the left orbit and integrated. Like it was like the video game. Uh, the Ghost in the Shell sort of following the standalone. Did you ever see Standalone yes. Complex? Okay. I really like Standalone Complex. So. so I enjoyed both of those homebrews, but those were the only two I tried. Yeah, I
0: played Castlevania. I really like the two pops on the left side. And I don't think I played any of the other homebrews. I kept meaning to go play Greek Gods because I had multiple people tell me how good. Greek yeah, I heard it's were. good. But every time I walked over there, there were a bunch of people playing Greek Gods.
1: That was me with Sonic Spinball. There was and always a crowd with Sonic, away and I didn't want to. You know, it's weird because there are a lot less lines at Expo than there are at Texas, and I think maybe I got spoiled at Expo, and so I was just like, "There's a line. I don't believe in waiting in lines here." Yeah. <laughs> and, I a, and I did. Um, there was one called the Dumpster Fire that I went to play, but it was turned off. Uh, I guess it had. Become a dumpster fire and broke So so, so Theme appropriate, very well done uh, So anyway, those were nice uh, And then we have one manufacturer thing That we had not yet played And we mentioned on our episode our intent to go play it And that was heist Yes, and
0: that was like the first thing we played When the vendor area opened on Saturday morning We went straight
1: to heist Yeah, because we had, and we gave our comments on on episode 153 About about Sorcerer's Apprentice uh, Okay, so uh, I guess I'll, I'll start in terms of heist that is by far the best p3 game i have ever played that's how yes. i'll open I'll, i'd open it i thought it made a lot of the rules made a lot of sense it Had an excellent explanation when you would start it if you wanted to sit through and listen to that would do that the way they used the screen with the pop-ups of the characters was a good way to kind of distract from them not like fully animating a bunch of stuff and i just thought it looked that comic sort of style they went with looked a lot cleaner than how I, I feel about Lexi, for example. Uh, and it it's fun. It's fun. My biggest gripe was simply a that I didn't care for having the third flipper on a second button. There are other games like Starship Troopers that have done that, and I've had other people confirm with me now at this point. You can actually go into the settings and say you want the main button to fire both of those flippers on the oh. way. So either you even wanted to object to it, you could change it. So just overall... Um, it's unfortunate that P3, the pandemic, kind of screwed them on the on the initial reveal of Heist, because they dropped it at a you yeah, know, they it basically came out in the pandemic. Because I think it that's a game that could move some of their units. I would not I'm not willing to pay ten thousand dollars for heist, but in this current market, I think there are people that would. And I heard there were people that got to try those games, and I'm gonna assume it was price that pushed them over uh, heist that pushed them over the edge, because I know several who bought who did buy Order P3 there. So Heist is an excellent ambassador uh, and uh, for that game, uh, for that platform. In fact, uh, when we're talking non-licensed games, um, I mean, there's a, a really good job.
0: Yeah. I would say a Heist is very much the type of game P3 needs. Heist is an actual reason to buy a P3 because there's been nothing before Heist that I would consider a reason to purchase a P3. I, it's still too expensive but i think everything's too expensive so price doesn't really have so much to do with it but i would think that if i was going to get a p3 i would get it because of heist and then i'd get other stuff later to fill in and to do other stuff but heist would be the reason to get
1: Mm. for me yeah for me it would be because of the pricing it would be like you know we'll have to see what like their licensed game is for example but it would in my mind it would be a i need something else. For me to want it would to want to get the platform, for example, but I would be getting the heist module with it. Whatever yeah. I do would be with the heist module because at that, however much for the module. So right. for me, that's sort of the it's a it's sort of a helps push it over the edge sort of thing. You know, be worth spending the whatever thousands for the just the module, and then I still need something else. I would still need something else, right? Obviously, to, to push me over, but a plus effort.
0: Right, and I, I think I like we were saying. I mean, just having one solid good game instead of hoping to have another good game come eventually, I think can go a long way towards pushing people over the purchase because they think we've got this one. There's still, there'll obviously be something else coming.
1: Yeah, and uh, Crane Toy, cool. Crane Toy always looked cool, so I, I yeah. you know, we, we had commented on that when it came out, yeah. But. All right, so um, I think that was everything I had for us on follow-up on Expo that we didn't hit on when we recorded at Expo. Was there anything else that, that you had? Uh, just a
0: quick thing is we had uh, the week after Expo, we went to a pinball tournament, and afterwards we had dinner with a bunch of uh, other pinballers and talked about stuff, and one thing things that had come up because one of them in particular had gone to Expo with us. Uh, well, not directly with us, but they were at Expo as well. Let's go with that. And during our conversation, that was one thing the things we'd been talking about, what we liked and didn't like about Expo. And it pretty much came up just this, that it was a lot of fun meeting a lot of people and having fun, but probably would have been happier overall. Just getting a group of friends together and doing a big group trip to Chicago than spending the time for like the tournament and, mm. and Expo in its, its totality and everything.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, it felt uh, there was a lot of when we were there, there was a lot of let's walk around and, and to see if we encounter someone to have a conversation right. with, which often did work. Yeah, and that's fun. I enjoy that. I, I mean, this is a, I know this is going to fly in the face. And I, I like playing in, in local tournaments. We play in a lot of local tournaments. Uh, I'm going to go, this is my advice, you know, take it or leave it. I know a lot of your hardcore tournament people and you definitely want to leave it. But my recommendation is not to play in these tournaments at these shows. I think it just ends up putting you in a weird bind of annoyance. Which is where we were when
0: we played in Texas,
1: that one. Yeah, and and I've heard that now Texas is run by a different team on the tournament side than when, because we played in 2016. Right. And it's different now. I think it transitioned to a different coordinator. I think Colin McAlpine runs it now as of 2018. And I hear that it's done a lot better than how it had been before. This with Expo, and again, we weren't in it, but from broken classic games like Sea Ray that people were very frustrated about to... Event organizers turning off flashing the lights when it was time to leave on people, which that's this is not the first <laughs> event I've heard this happen at, to um a weird long bracket that you stick up on the wall to changing the start times on people to just it was a me- It sounded like it was a mess. They and of course, what's the thing that always happens with all tournaments? This is my stereotype of all tournaments. It ran long. Yeah. It ran long. And like that was where we were, you mentioned the instance where we on one of the evenings, we just went and got food like at seven because the group that wanted to try and organize with us was still waiting on tournament people. And it's like, uh, no, I'm not. I, I cannot justify waiting because you don't really know when it's going to end.
0: Right. And see, that's one of those things. That, I mean, they
1: run hours late. That's how poorly done these things are.
0: And then they push the start times back because people yeah. stayed out partying. Here's my thought. I mean, we, just like we've had the discussions about. um Um, the fighting game tournaments have done the same thing.
1: Oh, yes. That's exactly what I was thinking. Where they push
0: back the start times because the big names were out partying until five in the morning so they they couldn't start at the planned start time. Whatever you said the original start time was, if one of the two competitors is there and
1: the other's not, they forfeit. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we pushed it back because people were out. No, no. Yeah. If you no. want to, if you want the tournament to be taken seriously, you need to, you need to run it with a degree of professionalism it is not the tournament's obligation to accommodate people's alcoholism.
0: Yeah, that's it. I mean, that's great. They chose to spend it a whole night partying. Mm-hmm. That means they're out of the tournament because they, because they forfeited their position. Yep. Period. Yeah, okay. I agree. I, I, I agree. I, I, I agree. The very concept of changing times because oh people were out partying is so just insane to me.
1: Yes, and and this is where, and I'm too ignorant to go into any details on it, but I was following the, follow- which I believe was the MGC tournament. I think it was the MGC tournament. It was a tournament up in, I believe, Wisconsin. And one of our area players was there and they were kind of doing like a play-by-play of what was happening with the event. It sounded like the rules of the tournament were being changed while the tournament was going along. no. Yeah. No, you do not do that. I'm sorry that you don't like your own rules. Lesson learned for next year. But yeah, changing. yeah And this this stuff, you know, you mentioned the fighting game thing. But for me, a lot of this goes back to when I was really heavy in in-game uh, play in MMOs, and it was like you you needed to have rules, and those rules often required reform. We didn't get it right a lot of times, but you. You didn't want to change rules on the fly because that's where wrongs start to happen, and then people feel cheated because you didn't follow what you said. And it's better to follow what you say than to change on the fly. Just learn next time and make a difference. Because you know you came up with a plan. Plans don't always work. It's okay. I get it. Mm -hmm. To me, some of this stuff is sort of like a when will people finally learn? And that's where the hey, you know what? If you if your tournament ran four hours long before you finished women's finals you better make some changes next year and don't just think it was a fluke because yeah. it was your poor planning that resulted in this right I mean, might have
0: been starting several hours later. could have been
1: could have been but this is what they do and I, it's weird and you know the only group that I knew of on a large scale that was really good about this uh, that I know was replay effects in Pemberg, where they would try and play test and take data on their gameplays to know how long each game typically took a team to finish up and that helped keep things in check. That's the sort of stuff you need to do. If you want to be serious, if you want it to be Mickey Mouse, that's fine. But, but I think you just need to start forfeiting people because, uh, yeah. yeah, just laying people, it's bad enough that the games take too long. When you start allowing people to slow you up and say, well, we're dropping 9 a.m. start times and we're going to start at 10. Oh, yeah, did you email everyone? Oh, you weren't equipped to do that? Oh, so people showed up at nine and then had nothing to do for an hour and they just had to be told to read a bracket on a wall? Wow. Yeah. Just wow. So no, that's that that's just terrible. So clean it up, guys. If you're a tournament people, clean it up. Especially when you're charging money like that. Yeah. We expect better. Yeah, we expect we have a lot of expectations. You know what I didn't have expectations on? Cactus Canyon remake. <laughs> I, no, you're I, you're I had one, one I had one expectation that'd be a remake of cactus canyon that's oh, why okay. that was my expectation <laughs> i am a simple person of simple remake needs That's <laughs> so all I expect okay so we talked about that because it was revealed i mean it had been announced before expo that yeah. cactus canyon surprising no one was the next remake at the show they had a couple of games I didn't play them because I've played cactus Canyon out the wazoo oh, i don't nice. I don't need to play it anymore and um they revealed the game, and I believe they had at the time indicated there were, I think, 1,250 LEs. I didn't reconfirm this, but based off of my discussion on the on the Triple Drain podcast, oh, which I, I don't think I, I plugged. I'll go ahead and plug it now. Uh, I was on the uh, Triple Drain pinball podcast back in, just this week, uh, episode nine. I'll have a link in the show notes to it so people can go and check it out if they want to. That's with uh, Travis Murray, who we, out we correspond with him a lot. Right. And then uh, Joe Engelberth, who is on the Pinball Network, with a YouTube channel, well, uh, uh, well, Twitch stream and a podcast, and sometimes he does stuff on YouTube, I think, or at least the Twitch stuff goes to YouTube. So I'm right, no matter what. And then uh, Tom Graff is the third host, and he is who streamed the tournament. So he didn't run the tournaments, but he streamed the tournaments for Expo people. Uh, Fox Strip City Stream, uh, which. It's pretty good quality. Anyway, uh, on that, I believe we that was noted twelve hundred and fifty LE units. Here's the thing. Here's what, why I have this back in here. I do have a link in the show notes to Chicago Gaming Company's model matrix of the of the three models. They only talked about two at the show. Now the LE doesn't list any more price because it's sold out from CGC. However, I've gone back and confirmed the. All right, so the LE. Was $9,250 with that limited, like 1,250 units. Okay. That's the one that came with the topper, the trim, uh, certain uh, molded plastics on the playfield, you know, and Ellie. And Ellie. Yeah. If you want the standard edition or special edition, apparently I'm, I'm hearing that some things is listed as special edition now. And I, I don't know if they changed the name or people just didn't know what SC stood for and guessed and, and didn't guess right. It doesn't matter. What does it say, SC? Just Soviet right. Russian. Yes, yes. Das Zedanya. <laughs> cowboy. Oh, what what was it? Davarush? Is that what cowboy is <laughs> in Russian? I'm trying to remember my red right October. Oh, no. Buckaroo. Yeah. Buckaroo. Buckaroo. I don't know. It sounds like a cow. Bak-a-ru. Of course. Of course. D- d- I don't know if Dabarush is anything. Maybe it's, <laughs> maybe it's probably not. Um. So the standard edition version $8,000. Okay. Now, here's the here's the long and the short of it, Tony. There were because the LEs sold out so quickly, supposedly, sold out so quickly. People were very upset, especially when they saw the topper because people really want a topper where a guy's arms spin in 360 degree motions cuz that's how Buckaroo's do it. Um, and it has like a gameplay mode in it too. So people were like, and 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 to be fair, CGC's toppers usually look pretty good. I mean, they're sculpted they and, yeah. and all that. So people were upset because while at Expo they indicated they might sell the topper separately for people that are getting the SE, they were non-committal about it. Well, I don't know if they're gonna sell the topper for the SE, but I'm gonna guess no, because now there's an SE Plus edition. The SE Plus Looking at that Matrix is exactly the same game as the SE, just with the topper. Its price, $9,250, the exact same price as the LE was listed for. Without any of the other LE features, just the topper. What are your thoughts, Tony? What are your thoughts?
0: Man, some of you people better just have a real love of a topper because you're about to get screwed to get one. None of the L.E. LA bonuses <laughs> for the L.E. price, but you get the topper. You get the topper. I mean, holy crap. I'm seriously, they are bending you over a table.
1: People wanted that topper, though, uh, Tony.
0: Apparently, they wanted the topper that bad. I, and that's the, that's the thing with
1: the pinball. It's a $1,250 it's $1, topper, apparently. dollars topper, and I bet you they sell a ton of yeah, I you know, I I think it'll sell. I agree with you. I don't know how many uh, because I just don't know how, what the demand really is for CCR. Um, now, but I bet you a bunch of the people who are
0: in on an SE upgrade to an SE plus. Or they might. It you so know, it, it's it's
1: it's weird because I mean, I guess in terms of winners and losers, the the winner is the LE buyers because now they're LE. They got more value for it than the SE pluses get. So that, in my view, up. Upvalued the LE because now if they want to flip one, they'll be like, you know, you want the rest of the toys and stuff, right? You're gonna to have to pay more. And bear in mind, post fact, they had decided that the topper price alone was worth the LE, so these other yeah. components should actually be I worth the more. the fact that they didn't just
0: magically generate out of nowhere more LEs.
1: Yes, like they didn't holiday some it. others, did. <laughs> or excuse me, they didn't some others. It. Yeah, <laughs> no, that, no, that's fair. Um, here's here's the behind the scenes that I have heard. Not not confirmed. These are what my sources say. My sources say that the reason they've done it like this, saying aside, I don't know why they priced it exactly the same as the LE. I mean, and let me go ahead and cover the losers there. Obviously, Is anyone buying an SE+. If you knew the LE was ninety two fifty, and now you see the SE Plus is ninety two fifty, there might be some pe- people that will not do it just on principle. But I don't know how many principle. Well, we're talking get, about pinball. Yeah, I know. We're talking about a hobby that would make excuses for all sorts of bad behavior just for the chance to get a new shiny from. I mean, why does J pop get so many chances? Right. People are willing to forgive an awful lot in this hobby. Actually, I think they're overly forgiving.
0: Oh, I agree completely.
1: So anyway, but saying that aside, you know, maybe there might be some that if they know the whole background at the very least might leave them a bad taste in their mouth about CGC's behavior. That said, once the new game drops, the licensed uh, non-remake, they'll be back in line because this is how it works. But in terms of the sourcing, what I've heard is CGC's deal with Planetary regarding the Williams license is such that they have to pay more. Uh, like if they sell accessories, a percentage of that income goes back to planetary pinball. I believe that's the group with a license. planetary. The percentage is lower on pins than it is on accessories. So by making the SE plus, they actually get to keep more money than if they sold the topper, even at 1250 separate. So CGC has done it in a way to maximize their money. So then I I get that. Okay. It's just, again, they clearly, SC, the old, I saw some screenshots on PennSide of the old Matrix when people, not like people meaning to post it as the old Matrix, just when they were sharing the information. It didn't have an SC plus in it when it first came out. So again, this is just another company that, uh, you know, maybe they realized they sold the LEs for too little. Uh, I mean, there were a lot of people online that were. They jumped on this LE, even if they, I, my impression, weren't huge fans of Cactus Canyon, just because they were shocked that an LE would come out in 2021 at under $10,000. Yeah. Do you remember when 10K by Christmas was a joke? I do. Pepperidge Farm remembers.
0: Buckaroos <laughs> is-
1: remember. Yeah, it, it, it's become a thing. So that's that with uh, with the Cactus Canyon remake. And then my last uh, pinball item that I just want to bring up with you is Stern. So more sourcing. And again, this is something we covered on, on triple drain. So I, obviously I don't want to be overly repetitive. I don't know how many, uh, how much overlap we have with the listener base, but so I have received word in, in the uh, last week or so that Stern's production, is making some statements, predictions about production that if you were hoping that Stern's plan was we're going to get caught up on a backlog of all of these orders, they don't think they're going to be able to do that. That's my read from the information I'm getting.
0: I think that anybody with, who's been dealing with the supply line issues, especially on the higher, like the industrial side, industrial end, like I am, uh, we're, I, I was talking to one of my vendors last uh, Friday or la- last Wednesday, and replacement control boards for some of our actuators, he flat told me 2023 mid-year is the earliest we can even think to get those repair parts. He can get me an all-new actuator, the, the new style, uh, but at this point, if I had ordered it last week, it might be here by March, maybe. That's the best he can that's the best he can give me. I have parts that we ordered in April with a twenty-six week lead time that we have now been given the lead time of uh, they'll be done when they're done. Because they have no idea that's how bad the backlogs have gotten. So we have no idea when stuff is gonna come in. I have parts I have stuff that has been out for repair for months, and they're telling me maybe July. So I can understand where they're coming from on them not going to be able to catch up and them only going to fall farther behind because quite frankly the supply chain situation is really bad and it's even worse to people who don't necessarily work directly with it because they'll notice the issues you know it's like oh there's less cars and we hear news things about the chip shortages and there's not going to be enough PS5s for us for Christmas and, and all this stuff. But when you start getting into the industrial, especially when you're talking about large bulk items, it is really, really bad.
1: Mm. So, yes, yeah, so you, uh, you understand the position that, the, that they're in. Now, let me talk about how they're going to be addressing it. Now, part of the issue is from, again, from what sources I've heard from. Stern is not planning to reduce their cornerstone releases, at least not for the first half of the year. I have heard, though I don't remember what months, I have heard they've got a month in the winter, probably January, maybe it was February, blocked off to just run a new game. Everyone's assuming that will be Rush because there was a picture leak. And then another, again, I can't remember what month. This is how bad I am with all these 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 sources of things. I think it's sometime around May, June-ish, kind of like how Led Zeppelin dropped, I think. I don't remember when the Led Zeppelin dropped, but for another new game only being produced. Yeah. They the sourcing didn't know what the what the games were. But again, this sort of fits with some of the statements I believe Gomez made about how, you know, a lot a lot of these cornerstone decisions seem to be driven by that there are license obligations. Like there are timelines that were assumed in the licenses. I continue to wonder if Stern is finally at the point. I would have honestly hoped by the start of this year, not signing as many licenses, knowing they have to catch up at some stage. And unless they think that they're just going to build their way out of the hole, which would work if everyone gives up on their orders, like a lot of people do. That would be one way. The other way would just have to be eventually the floodgates will open, but I just don't I just don't see how that will will work in the fast enough because there are other industries that are going to get a priority for a lot of this stuff. Right. So about what they're planning to do, so bear in mind that there are still new games coming out from, for people to get excited about and to try and buy. I have heard that their distribution network that Stern has has been informed that they will be rationed pros and premiums Similar to, that's sort of what happens with LEs already, Mm -hmm. because they are a limited number of LEs. Now, the number I have heard on the percentage that they're allowed to get has varied basically by distributor, I guess. But essentially, 10 to 20% of whatever they've asked for. So, if you said, I need 50 Godzilla Pros, when they do their next run of Godzilla Pros, that distributor that said they need 50 will get between 5 and 10 bear in mind meanwhile how stern does that and yes the wait lists are with if you choose to do away and distributors aren't obligated to do wait lists, but if there is a waitlist the anytime stern ha- implements a price increase that's a, that's effective immediately Correct. so for example when the uh when the godzillas came out all games uh immediately had a $300 price increase, I guess, to cover connected, connected that was going to go out. Now, Godzilla was way more than that. Right. But everything else had a $300 immediately. As of January 1, everything else matches Godzilla's pricing. So, if you were still waiting for a Mandalorian and Stern can't build it until February, then you will pay the Godzilla price for your Mandalorian. It doesn't matter that you told the distributor day one you want Mandalorian. So convert to Godzilla. Yes, you probably should. But come join the, but, the side. But hey, some families are more into Baby Yoda than they are into Baby Kaiju. Join the, the side. Please. So I mean, I I had a you know this is this is well well circulated. I actually had a conversation with Zach Many uh, flipping out pinball uh, about like what his plans are for next year and. He said, you know, with the supply chain stuff, sort of like this year, it's been really frustrating because there's not really a way for any of them to grow their business right now. It's sort of ironic. There's all this demand. Everyone knows about all this demand for pinball. There's all these used games getting scooped up for ridiculous prices because people can't get things new because supplies are so short and everyone's flipping games for ridiculous amounts of money. But it's like, if you don't have any supply, what good is adding more customers to your waitlist? Because some of these people are going to wait a year. Right. There are games I have heard. There are some games that are in the that are in current production. I'm air quoting current production that will stay in current production that they will not build in 2022 at all. I've heard at least three. That does not surprise me either. They have to make they're they're having to make emergency decisions on how they're running. But I mean, just imagine here. Here's my what I mean. So we got Godzilla. Theme, Well-known theme, but theme aside, I'm going to go ahead and say most people are agreeing Keith Elwin's greatest game
0: yes.
1: already, and it's not at 1.0 rules yet. I would say
0: so.
1: When Rush comes out, regardless of how popular Rush is vis-a-vis Godzilla, it will, in my mind, sabotage Godzilla production because you have to make Rush now. Just one more thing on top of everything else. Don't forget all the people waiting for Alvira Premium. Don't forget the people trying to get Deadpool, an extremely popular game that people have been trying to buy new. You have to wait for the runs. And the way Stern's going to approach it is historically, my understanding is Stern has done very... They'll, they'll throw something on the line. They can shift their line really quick. So they'll throw something on the line for a week or whatever to catch up on a log of whatever their distributors say. Hey, I need... you know. I need three Star Treks. They aren't doing Star Trek right. anymore. Like Back when it was Star Trek was at the very, very tail end and they were still building them. It's like, hey, I need three Star Treks and he needs two Star Treks. Okay, we're going to go and we're going to build like 40 Star Trek pros in a week or in a day, probably. Let's <laughs> you know, convert a line over real quick. Now they're planning to do much larger batches so they don't have to change the line over as much to deal with this sort of thing. But that's where the rationing kicks in. So when they finally do a run of deadpool it should be a sizable run of units they want to they don't want to just do a couple dozen but you got to wait for that new date now because they're not going to be as nimble right and i my understanding is they've thrown out some of the production timelines for some of the trim models and, and games and it's way out there for some of these and some like elvira premium i mentioned you know aside from that 40th anniversary thing that they're doing here they uh They have repeatedly kicked the can down the road. on I think, if I remember correctly, Avira Premium's run has been delayed at least twice now. No, the rumor mill is Stern's staff hates building Avira. It's really hard for them. Like, there's something about it that's difficult. I don't know if it's the house or what, but, like, it's more mechanically frustrating to put together than their usual games. So that may be part of the reason they keep kicking the can down the road. But, I mean, it's annoying people. And I've heard there are still people that were kind of like first month in on Mando that don't have Mando yet. Yeah. And that's, and it's a deeply popular game. too. It is a very popular game. I
0: think that like you'd said, when we at the start of this little uh, discussion, hopefully they have made adjustments to their licensing and to their scheduling and to their contracts that will let them slow down and start doing catch up. And don't get me wrong. I love the fact that Stern is the group that puts out multiple games a year. I know it's their thing, but it, I do think we're at the point that it would probably help them in the long run to dial back just because their current production ability has been so greatly reduced.
1: Yep. I, I mean, I think they, they're putting their distributors in, a, in an interesting bind because how long do you keep a wait list? I'm not even sure they should be doing waitlists right
0: now. I I think I would 100% honesty, uh, if I was a distributor, if I did do a waitlist, it would be capped at a limited number of people. Especially with these kind of reductions and these limited allotments, you'd have to. I think you'd be better off for them to just, for the distributors to go more... To back to the kind of old school model where they're just like, just send me five of everything, and then when they get them in stock, they just have mm. it's like, here's what came into stock. This is what I have. First come, first serve.
1: Yeah, and that's where I mean, if they've got existing wait lists, they could purge their wait lists and just use. Here's the thing: they're not given how hot the market is right now. They're not going to have any problem selling these pens. No. So if you have a wait list of fifty for Mandalorian. In a way, I could see you going in and saying, you know what? Just tell everyone that you're not keeping the waitlist anymore. Drop it. Still put in your order for 50. You'll move. On. You get five or you get 50. You'll move them all. Right. So who cares? I mean, you've got a good sense of what the market is for Guardians versus Deadpool versus Mando versus Godzilla based off your waitlist. But at least right now, there's no real point in having the waitlist.
0: I think the big thing we're moving that way might hurt distributors is that they're going to have to start looking for warehouse space at least a limited amount for temporary storage if they if they they go to that route
1: i mean ultimately if they were to get them all at once it's conceivable long term but here's the thing once production stabilizes they could go back to doing wait lists correct so in a way i'm you know i just think for the short term uh, if if you could lock in the old prices i could see the value in still doing the wait list thing but since you can't I'm just imagining. Like, I would hate just having to follow a list of 50 people to let them know. By the way, your game is now $600 more, and you have to tell each one of them that. Find out if they're still going to be locked in on it. And right, it's just uh, it seems like a real. It's a lot of work of for no for no money for no additional money. You're not going to make more money with it. So I I just yeah I mean it's not our problem it's whatever I I think it was Travis who mentioned one of the distributors he heard from has dropped waitlists already. And they're like, there's no point. There's no point. I'll sell everything I get. So we don't need to, why do the work when the games sell themselves now? You don't have to try. And again, back to that theme. You just don't have to try in pinball. It just happens. Uh, one of the things that came up on that, on the Triple Drain podcast in the discussion was the thought of, will the distributor start selling over MSRP? Because there's so much demand for the games. Uh setting aside if there were any contractual prohibitions on that, which I'm not aware of any in pinball, uh the thing that I remember though is Stern has been experimenting with selling games direct. They sell their pins direct, they've sold some LEs I know direct. right. So I'm wondering if that starts to happen, does Stern open up the storefront and say, oh, by the way, you can buy from us too? And of course, they'll never sell over MSRP. Right. So that might be, I'm not sure that's a viable path for for the distributors what i think is more likely would be stern continuing to just up their prices to try and find where their ceilings at um to limit flipping but still sell everything they want to sell right we're seeing you know you're seeing some instances where it's like okay well these new prices on godzilla that wasn't the ceiling um elvira 40th editions where distributors are asking 25k and they ain't all sold out OK, ceilings must be under that and over and over Godzilla. It's somewhere in there. <laughs> it's somewhere it's floating around in there somewhere. So, yeah, we'll see. I can. And
0: I know I've talked about this on the show previously, but I could see them going to the model where where they sell somewhere between. Seventy five
1: and one hundred percent of the LEs through themselves and then keep the other stuff going out through the distributed network. Yeah, yeah. We'll have to see. But right now, I you know, production obviously is their, Right. is their struggle. But like, like with everybody. Yes. Yes. There it's not unique to pinball. So before moving to the video game section, I, I guess I didn't put this in the show notes, but I should probably bring up uh so rumor corner. I don't know what I'm calling it. So oh, all right. You know, we covered a thing a couple of times with pinball rumors. I have had a few people reach out to me mentioning that they really liked it when we cover pinball rumors. I think even even if they're not true. People just like to hear uh, Yeah I guess so like they don't care if it's Inaccurate or what and I So right. so here is a Rumor here's a pinball rumor I do not believe it I do not believe it at all but You guys want rumors here's a rumor The rumor is Harry Potter pinball Going to happen Home pin The Taiwan The one that made Thunderbirds Now it sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? From a production standpoint, right? And they're currently working on this as Spinal Tap Pinball, okay? Here's, here's, the, here's the argument of the rumor, Tony. Because, as you may know, J.K. Rowling, the author of the Harry Potter series, purportedly anti pinball because she doesn't like the idea of them being in bars, she has had a lot of controversy regarding certain statements that she's made via social media. Okay. <laughs> the rumor mill is. Mike from Homepin has also been in a similar hot water situations for similar style statements and that they have essentially bonded over this (laughs) cancel culture, working against them sort of thing. And so he has been able through that, basically through an ideological connection, been able to secure the Harry Potter license. I'm assuming books, not movies, but I haven't. That wasn't part of the rumor. But that he has Harry Potter And he can do it And I don't know if they're doing anything to accommodate the bars or not That wasn't part of the rumor Just that, hey, they both have been Quote, unquote, cancelled And that's, that's how he won her over Was, hey, we need to stick it to all these The libs So, again, I, I don't buy it I don't buy it But there you go, there's a rumor corner Harry Potter pinball, home pin
0: Harry Potter pinball
1: <laughs>
0: okay. <laughs> Can we just designed a makeup corner where we just start making <laughs> up. <Hey. laughs>
1: Look, I'm not saying that I'm I'm not saying that I invented that rumor, but I'm saying that people wanted rumors and I'm giving them I'm giving the people what they want. They want they want rumors. <laughs> so we're calling it rumor corner. Possibly made up. Possibly real. We don't know. Some of the rumors are good. Some of the I'm telling you, I I don't believe this rumor, but that's the rumor. People say <laughs> I hear you shoot the rap every time you get a letter. You just have to spell you're a wizard, Harry. <laughs> you can get your extra ball that way. I don't know how many shots that is. You're a wizard, Harry. But there you go. <laughs> there you go. Now, video games. Um, Cellophane paper games. Creakle (laughs) creakle (laughs) creakle. About as good as the effects from the first film. Uh, So, um, so at the start of the video games thing, uh, I'm sure you're going to touch on this, but I do want to note we did get an email from uh, from Chris Chris Chandler to our EGP account, just telling us that there are delays on Overwatch two and Diablo four. And I know you want to open with Blizzard because Blizzard's your favorite topic, and you always include it. So go ahead. Yeah, we're 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 just we're just
0: we're just getting it done and out of the way because there's been a lot, and there's always a lot with them anymore, and it's just starting to get kind of back. But Overwatch two and Diablo four have been delayed yeah. uh, because they will benefit from more development time to reach its full potential. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, both teams have had major shakeups this year. Uh, I mean, Overwatch League lost Jeff Kaplan and one of the executive producers. Uh, The Diablo team has lost, like, pretty much their entire leadership and had to start over uh, from the leadership angle. But um, I think this is such a massive blow. I know Overwatch, the next season of Overwatch League was supposed to run on an early
1: build of Overwatch 2. I, know, I think the rumor is it still is going to.
0: and, and Which would make total sense. Uh,
1: whatever level of alpha build they have that they
0: can if it's stable enough for them to run on. But this has been hurt so bad because Overwatch has basically been just ignored
1: uh, since they started working on Overwatch 2 in 19. Yeah, I, that Basically, they throw out a few skins for uh, events. The the, the events aren't even new anymore. It's all just... No
0: No new events. Uh, They'll drop an occasional deathmatch map, but no new regular maps. No new heroes since Echo. Yep. uh, Which was late 19, I think. I think you're right. So there's been
1: nothing new in Overwatch. So Overwatch is hemorrhaging players. Yeah, I mean... The thing with all these other games that last is they you have to keep producing content and they they can thrive. It doesn't the new graphics of Overwatch 2 aren't what the game needs. It needed support.
0: Right. And with the and well, that's the interesting is we're pushed back. So we're looking at a pushback. I was already not expecting Overwatch 2 before fall of 22, which means we're looking at sometime in 23 minimum. And for them to push back that far, a full another year of just completely ignoring Overwatch's needs, basically, as they hemorrhage players. And then they think they're going to get all those players back when they have to drop, you know, 60 or $70 for a new game that is just got co-op built into what the old game was mm-hmm. and the other changes and they're supposed to. I know the games are supposed to be compatible, but I don't see how they're going to keep their player base. When you've got, when you've got companies dropping a call of duty every year, a battlefield every year, we're getting all these other games are dropping new engines, new, new tie-ins. They're keeping things going for them to be sitting here and just ignoring overwatch and then hoping to get everybody back when they eventually drop overwatch too. I think is a pipe dream. Their, uh, uh the Diablo 4 delay, I think will be is less of an injury for Blizzard than the Overwatch delay, but it still hurts them because Diablo has always been one of their kind of pillar uh, games. Even after the disaster that was Diablo 3. it still it was still a very popular game. Uh, it launched poorly. It had re- it had some of the worst real money stuff I've ever seen. But after they corrected all that, they still got a decent amount of players, but this whole debacle for Diablo 4 that started with their announcement of the Diablo Infinities or whatever it was, the phone game, that's still not out. I don't think it comes out until next year. Oh. I think it comes out in 22. So that's that's the position of trouble that they are in uh, when it comes to those games. And on top of all of that, uh, as you recall, when Alan Brock left uh, Blizzard in the midst of all of the fallout, he was the president of Blizzard. He was replaced by Jen O'Neill and her co-leader, Mike Ybarra, and were both hired as the replacement and was their big flagship. Hey, look, see, we're including women mm. in our leadership teams and this and that. Uh, that all happened back in August. She's no longer co-leader of Blizzard. She stepped out from that. And she's currently working at Activision until the end of the year. And then she'll be leaving Activision. Um, She wrote in her uh, announcement that she put on uh, that, I'm doing this not because I am without hope for Blizzard, quite the opposite. I'm inspired by the passion of everyone here, working towards meaningful, lasting change with their whole hearts. This energy has inspired me to step out and explore how I can do more to have games and diversity intersect and hopefully make a broader industry impact that will benefit Blizzard and other studios as well. While I'm not totally sure what form that will take, I am excited to embark on a new journey to find out. You can make of that what you Yeah. Were.
1: Well, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> she was there for so little right. time. I mean, I guess, I don't know. Was she... Had she, was she at Blizzard before she was then? Hired in for this position. Okay, so she was an outsider brought in. Okay, so it sounds like she couldn't make the change she wanted to make. That's oh, how I read it.
0: And their decision was instead of bringing another co-leader in to help to help Mike, they're just going to make Mike president of Blizzard now. Mm-hmm. They 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 waved the flag. They said, "Look, we got a girl. We have a female in here." Who didn't want to stay? And she left, but that's okay. We're good. We got we got Mike. We got Mike. What more do you need? <sighs> BlizzCon, scheduled for February mm. has
1: been put on Indefinite pause That's wise Very wise For once they wouldn't have to really prob- Most likely pause because of the pandemic But <laughs> <laughs> so what's, what's there to talk about no, The phone no. game that's not out yet The delay on Diablo 4 <laughs> and Overwatch 2 yeah, no. how you don't have any women working <laughs> yeah. for you? I what are you going to talk <laughs> about? Are you going to ban people dressing up as Winnie the Pooh? Still, is that still a thing? Probably <laughs> a whole bunch of people walking and dressed up as Pilica. No,
0: yeah, they're going. They say they are reimagining the event. They have nothing. We know they've got nothing to show. The event's been running for fifteen or sixteen years now. But they've got absolutely nothing to show, and it would be nothing but bad press for them to have it. Canceling it is less bad press than what would have come from actually having
1: it. I agree with you. Canceling is the right. Yeah, move.
0: I think it's the right thing to do. And to finish it off, during their latest quarterly results call, they shared their monthly active user count is down thirteen percent year year on year, down to twenty six million players. Despite the launch of Diablo 2 Resurrected, they have lost 3 million users since last quarter. Uh, most likely, most of them are WoW.
1: Yeah, that'd be my guess.
0: Because WoW has been hemorrhaging people bad. Uh, a lot of them went to Amazon New World, though that didn't last very long before it hemorrhaged everybody. Right. Uh, Final Fantasy XIV picked up so many that they had to start shutting down new character creations on servers while they spun up more servers and got things put back mm-hmm. together. Um, so still 3 million users lost in a quarter. It's huge. huge. It's just, they went from 29 million to 26 million in a quarter. They've lost a million since May. So yeah, no, it's blizzard and Activision we're in a real bad place right
1: now. Yeah, no, it's interesting to see such a, a, a video game behemoth like that. It's basically in free fall. And they seem I, I almost said totally at a loss to know what to do. It seems like they they are they've been trying things and none of it's working. Yeah. I don't know that I've
0: ever seen a company this large take this kind of pounding and be sent reeling like this. Um I mean, EA's had its bad moments, but nothing that ever felt this bad. Uh, uh
1: I don't know. I, I I really don't know. Well, if and company that's been this size that's it, taken this kind of it's punishment. like. I think part of the yeah, I think the issue is the the pounding is coming from a multitude of directions. So obviously, the big thing that we have often focused on, and I think the general public typically focuses on, is the harassment angle within within the company within Correct. the Blizzard side. Uh, but that being said, there are other, I mean, they had already made mistakes about their expansion with Warcraft and how the World of Warcraft players were super frustrated by what they what they were getting delivered, mm-hmm. coupled with, yeah, Overwatch 1 is on aging, it's an aged game at this point. I mean, we're t- it's been out over five years, yeah, uh, and they're not putting out any supporting content, so there's little reason to, st- I mean, I have, because they have the new Cassidy, the renamed McCree to Cassidy, I went in last week and I played to get the new skin. And other than that, I played this year and I played in 21. And I played during the the Halloween event where I'd go in real quick to get those skins. That's it. So when they're not giving out skins, I I don't play weekly anymore because there's nothing new to try. So I just, I'm like, I'll just wait until they have another event. So I'll probably play for the Christmas event to get more. uh, They'll probably throw out a few new skins. I'll be like, I'll see if I can get a few by playing some arcade mode. And that'll be that. And, um, you know, just coupled with every, they just, yeah. So I think for a while they kind of coasted on their World of Warcraft uh, funds, which, hey, I mean, it was a success. It was still a successful NO, yeah. But it's just, they're so behind on anything new and they're so controversial now. So people are not willing to give them the benefit of the doubt of this. But I mean, like, what would, you, like, if you were Bobby, what would you do at this point to try and salvage, like, any, I don't even say saving the whole thing, just any of it. I, i honestly don't know i, I mean they can
0: I, I mean, obviously if you could go back they should have started working up a wow successor a decade ago oh yeah yeah because no matter what updates they do to the engine what changes they make it it's it's just aged it, it's aged out and there so they they should have started coming up with something else to to, to take its place um Arguably, what spent decades is their number one franchise, the entire StarCraft franchise, is just gone. Yeah, I haven't heard it. They haven't mentioned or talked about it in years. And honestly, StarCraft, and specifically competitive StarCraft, is a big part of what kept Blizzard alive in some of the other lean times. Uh, But that whole franchise is just gone at this point. Uh, nothing since Starcraft Two,
1: and that was so long ago, I don't even remember when it was. Uh, it's just, yeah, I mean, the only thing I could that I can suggest of any of it is one tiny piece, and it's only because it's been the piece that lately I had been most engaged with with Blizzard, which would be the overwatch piece. um Here's what I would do: I would go to Jeff Kaplan and say, We will double your former salary." You have unilateral control over the direction of Overwatch 2, and we will fund you to now re-spin up development of additional content for Overwatch 1 in the meantime. Now, maybe the time frames are too tight to pull all of that off, but I don't think so. I think they have characters they were planning to reveal in Overwatch 2. Start dropping them in one. Maybe not all of them, but start dropping something so that people will still want to be engaged with the product. And then allow him... To steer the rest of this for now, maybe that still means it comes out in 2023. But you bring back someone who was as popular as Jeff. I think it sends a good message. Jeff leaving looked really bad,
0: terribly bad. Especially Jeff leaving just as all the stuff started coming to light.
1: Yes, and I haven't heard any accusations at Jeff at all. And Jeff, in my view, was always seen as well. Yeah, well, no, bringing him in does not solve your gender issue. His talk, he was always very diversity-oriented in talking. That's Overwatch's cast of characters was very diversity-oriented. And that was always something that they kind of planted their flag on. Mm-hmm. And so bringing back Papa Jeff, I think, would reassure a lot of people to see things through. Right, uh, And including in, that, in his auspices of oversight, I, I'm including the League to decide what you're going to do to keep your esports thing going here. I think the League is on life support. Okay. I mean, they're still, I mean, all the teams clearly are, and as much as they spent, I'm sure those franchises are like, you better not be pulling the plug on this. They got to fix that stuff. Honestly, and that'd be my second thing. So you want another suggestion of what I would do to fix the league? Especially if we're stuck with either Alpha or going back to Overwatch 1, bottom line the play, the, the Watchers aren't going to have access to Overwatch 2. <sighs> Release the Blizzard, Blizzard Arena and do that. Bring them back Bring back the you gotta bring back the live audience. You just got to. We yeah. can't it sucks comparatively yeah. to watch them through LAN. And if the homesteads are ready, maybe we can go ahead and do that. But but the the spirit of that, the excitement of that, you can recapture that even on the older game. Evo does it all the time. Right. But the the crowds and the signs and the and the desk interacting and all of that, it needs to feel more cohesive. And doing it remote, they got way cleaner this year than they than they were in twenty twenty. But it's still weird. It still, it still feels like feel it still feels like you're watching a bunch of clips that are strung together in between matches.
0: There's no inner There's no. It doesn't have that energy. That inherent
1: kind of of flow. The stadium feel. Yeah, that was what they were going for. It was such a and great it idea. Worked really well. It and really I, And I know this wasn't Blizzard's fault. It was the pandemic's fault. But I'm still not sure. If we're. It's also quit letting like freaking American teams be in APAC. Like, I'm sorry, if you're in New York, you should be in the U.S., not out in Singapore. That's They have Asian teams for the APAC.
0: I I agree with that. It makes no sense when they've started rolling all of the teams to the... uh, Why would you put teams that are clearly based in the Atlantic in the Pacific Division? It's weird.
1: It's always been weird, but Whatever. Whatever. You know what isn't weird? Marvel Avengers. That's not weird. No, it's it's just the greatest terrible thing
0: that started, that, that, that that Square has done lately.
1: So uh, last time you brought this up, they were I think you said they were bringing back some paid XP boosting or well, something. Well, they weren't
0: bringing back right. paid XP boosting. They had apparently forgotten that one of the things they said when they launched the game is that we will only ever monetize cosmetics. And we won't bring in other stuff. And then they decided, after going, you know what? This game's too easy. Let's make the XP grind harder. I remember that. And then, you know, the XP grind is pretty hard. Let's sell XP
1: boost.
0: Okay. And then there was a backlash that they ignored for a month. Oh. And they finally come out and said something about it they have removed the xp boost uh even though they should never have it had them in the first place because you know they promised not to do it but here's their statement we apologize for not responding sooner to your concerns about the addition of paid consumables in the marketplace we introduced them as an option for an evolving player base and did not see them as pay to win since they didn't
1: offer power directly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, because you only like get power from from going higher in level, but the level itself isn't the power. Right. It's what it unlocks. Yeah. Oh, wow. Indirect power. Mm, yes, the Emperor would be pleased with their theory. <laughs> Execute interrupt power. (laughs) Why do you not believe me? I'm only level 180. That's not my power. My power is my 20 unlockables.
0: After considering your feedback, we have decided that by the end of the day today, we will remove Heroes Catalyst and Fragment Extractors for purchase. They will continue to be earnable rewards, and those already owned are still usable. We hope that this can be the first step in rebuilding your confidence in us as a team. It continues to be our goal to make the very best game possible. Thank you for being a part of Marvel's Adventures. Why do
1: they not? Why does the Square just give up on this game? You know, just, just give up on this game. Just let it go. <laughs> this is let go. You know, the uh, uh, the meme.
0: With the guy looking over his shoulder at the girl while his girlfriend... Yes, yes. I've seen multiple of that where it's Square looking at Guardians of the Galaxy while the girlfriend is Marvel Avengers being all like, hey, what about me? (laughs) What about me? Except
1: they keep doing (laughs) stuff with her. Yeah, I I don't. (laughs) Okay, I don't understand. This is... Such a toast. This day. is fine. It's so, this is fine. It's so tough. They're probably like, Seriously. well, this is better than Blizzard. I okay. didn't see it as played to win. <laughs> I don't know. That is, a, I, I mean, that that is I, the goofiest I, argument it's I have. So, I mean, this is like, <laughs> full under. on. No. It's oh indirect. God. Do it. <laughs> Buy your XP. <laughs> the level bar is cosmetic. <laughs> the number floats there. It's really just cosmetic.
0: Is Really, what's the definition of pay to win? I mean, you're not paying to win. You still have to do the work.
1: You just get extra bonuses for doing the work. Have you ever heard the tale of Darth Payus the Wise? (laughs) They say he could alter the very powers of his character by manipulating the level numbers above his bar.
0: (laughs) It's just... (laughs)
1: I know there's been a running joke with us, for like <laughs> that, but this is just. It's but like, this is a is better joke than um, Blizzard's. Like a Blizzard's just so sad. Yes, this Blizzard is, is like the fall of a titan. Yeah, dude. this yeah. is this is hey look. Square's got plenty of money. This will, eventually, they'll turn out part two of the Final Fantasy VII remake, and they'll be fine. Yeah, but let's watch them just screw this up repeatedly. <laughs> because just
0: like, wow, this is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, oh man, it's just so bad. It's so bad. And you know what? I decided because this has been just a trash video game day mm-hmm. after having no video game segment last time. That, you know what? I'm going to finish it. I'm going to finish Trifecta. it with the biggest trash thing of <laughs> video gaming.
1: Mm-mm.
0: It's time for my yearly update on Star Citizen. Oh, it is that time. I normally
1: do it I normally I say it 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 in it in it the last it third of the year. It I don't know why I do the middle of the year. we
0: They actually there's huge Star Citizen news. Oh, it's massive! The uh, the game developers Cloud Imperium uh, are opening a massive new studio in Manchester, England. Oh, Tilly Ho Ho. They're opening it in May of twenty twenty two. So pretty soon. Okay. And when I say massive, I mean it's huge. Their current staff is four hundred as their current team. That's a big team. Yeah. By twenty twenty six they're supposed to be a thousand. They're gonna be hitting seven hundred within two years. Wow. Why are they ramping up so much? Uh don't know everything's an alpha maybe they think something's actually gonna go live. maybe they think they're getting ready to do something uh, like squadron 42 which is the standalone game isn't that, that almost done suppose it was supposed to release like two years ago it, it's the standalone it's a single game. player right it's the single player standalone okay. game that uses assets and stuff and they've got like you know mark hamill and and, and, and Gillian Anderson and all sorts of like big name voice actors in it. And it's still doesn't have a release date because nothing has a release date. Uh, so we have no idea when it'll be out, but it should be out at some point. Maybe my opinion, I think there's a solid chance the star citizen goes into beta by 2090. Maybe. Mm. Possibly. Okay. I know. I plan on handing my personal account in my will to my children, so that one of them can maybe get a chance to play Star
1: Well, I'm glad you're having the foresight because
0: they are currently in Alpha 3.15, and they're talking about getting it pushed all the way up to Alpha 3.18 by second quarter of 22. I don't know. What I don't mean, know what it means. I don't know what that. It's we pushed it alpha, out the,
1: alpha, like people don't even usually talk about alpha because it's so pointless to the consumer. Exactly. But the game is they are currently have the game playable,
0: in a way, kind of. You can play on the alpha assets with some ships and some this and that. They actually have grown it to the point where they have a system. There is a single star system with a couple planets and some moons and some stuff, and there's apparently stuff to do. Though pretty much every time I see videos, it's basically people just screwing around because that's about all there really is. Because they haven't implemented almost everything yet. But they're building it, the people who play it every day. And I just the thing is, they are up to three million three hundred and thirty three thousand four hundred and fifty eight backers. Who have raised a total price of 397793982 and ninety-three nine hundred and eighty two or seven hundred ninety three thousand nine hundred and eighty two dollars as of this morning because they have a live tracker on the website that tells you a live
1: view of their current donation count and their current donator count. Right. Yeah, very pro- I mean that's like a it's their self-perpetuating funding mechanism, but we are literally coming up on a decade since the Kickstarter with almost with four hundred million dollars put into it. Yes. Now you you did back this into the Kickstarter because I didn't actually back in the Kickstarter. Oh, I backed didn't?
0: it when it I, I backed it shortly after.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah.
0: Uh, because they because they immediately transitioned from the Kickstarter to. Just continuing the Kickstarter on the way. So you like have a pre-order or what, uh, what? Yeah, basically, I could go play the game right now. What's available? The ship that I've pre-ordered into is available. That's actually a flyable ship. I could go fly my ship right now. Uh, I haven't done it. The only time I touched it was in their very, very, very first game release, where it was here. It's like like alpha 0.000009 or something like that. It's basically it was a hangar and your ship was sitting there, and you could look at it.
1: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Oh, excitement.
0: So, uh, that was the most I've done. So, we're Uh, we're coming up on a decade. We're coming up on a decade. There is nothing out there on it yet. Uh, There's no real game. The game was supposed to be out. The standalone version of the game could be coming sometime soon. Might not be coming sometime soon. Uh, The Persistent Universe MMO Version of the game who knows Because that's what Star
1: Citizen is it's supposed to be Right that was it. the vanilla request Because that, yeah, that the... I remember Squadron Was added it was one of those like stretch Goal things yeah. wasn't it So it is just
0: Insane at the point Where it's setting at It's still kind of a complete joke Because of how long It's been and how long it's probably But it's still been too ready. big
1: to fail This is the banking crisis in video game
0: It's too big to fail. This is just like pinball. People keep dumping money into it. At this point of the hope, there is a package out there. A starter package. For $1,100. That's almost as much as a topper. I know. For $1,100, you get
1: five spaceships and a dune buggy. hmm Also known as the Arrakis Buggy. The Arrakis Buggy. (laughs) (laughs) Right now, you could go out right now and drop $750 on a spaceship.
0: I could? Yes. Wow. I mean, if you wanted to. But much like pinball has found its niche, its groove, where people just pour money into stuff that makes no sense and just randomly hand. That's the exact same groove that Star Citizen has gotten into. There is a certain level of people that are pouring money into it. I was reading the other day on a forum from a guy who decided he was decided to step away from Star Citizen until Squadron 42 releases. Because there's just, it's too aggravating to keep hearing the news and try and follow everything. Because he's already into the game for $4,000. (laughs)
1: I just don't understand. And
0: every time they release a new ship, he wants to buy the new ship. He thinks it's really cool and he would like to purchase it. I just don't. I mean, mean, this is up there with those people are like, I spent
1: $12,000 on my phone game. Because yeah, exactly. I was trying to that's, unlock my wife. That's the thing that's this thing that but at least then they are actually playing it. I to me it is almost like it reminds me of people that just started to follow all the like stock trading stuff on Reddit and they buy all the meme stocks and lose their money, but at least they understand there was the potential they could have there, made their money. Something could have happened. Yeah. If they had done it in a certain way at a certain time. Whatever. You know, they're they're getting ownership in something. You're not buying these ships doesn't give you ownership into Star Citizen, so I just don't understand. Like I could see someone doing it as an investor going, no, I think eventually this is gonna You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of Deep Root. It does. You look right? at all the millions of dollars that appear to have been poured into those Deep Root companies the and then not clearly not knowing how to get to market with a product.
0: Right. But here's the big difference. In Star Citizen it's Idiots, including myself,
1: handing them more money to be fair. In your defense, it wasn't the meme it is when you bought. Because weren't you like 2013? Yes. That was still like, there's still a sane timeline. No one had expected it to be out in 2013.
0: I expected it to be out within a
1: couple of years. I mean, I was thinking, you know, 15, maybe
0: 16. No. No, 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 no. That's not where we're at. But, with Deep Root, there was no money coming in, except for from people who didn't know that they were actually right. putting money right. into it. At least here, it's idiots giving their own money up instead of people having their money stolen from them. They yes. have Star Citizen hasn't quite gotten to the point where they're just garnishing the paycheck on everybody on the planet to fund their game development.
1: Yeah, th- that'll happen in about 10 years. The thing that I wonder, though, with Starsis and again, this getting way into legal realms that I do not understand, is uh, could someone litigate them claiming that the company knows they're not actually going to produce a product? And so they're perpetuating a fraud to essentially get donations at this point just to allow people to ostensibly go in and do work but have no real deliverable that they ever have to meet. Well, that's...
0: The problem is, the problem with that, from a legal standpoint, as I would see, is they are delivering stuff. Okay. They're not delivering; they haven't delivered any of the games they've promised, but they are delivering gameplay because they're like, "Oh, here's the new module with some of the new stuff we added to the game. You can fly your ship, and now you can go and shoot the guns, or now you can go land on the planet and then jump in your dune buggy and drive around the planet and look at stuff." So there, there is content. Mm. It's it's the way they've designed it is they're putting it to, out as like modules that they add to, or they add new content and new modules that give new ability, and eventually there'll be a, a full game there, supposedly, someday. And it's still even now not the worst drubbing I've taken from pre-ordering something. So hey, because I'm only I'm I'm only in the Star Citizen for like $125.
1: My Robotech Kickstarter Oh, I remember the Robotech But You talked about that one for an hour. Yeah, so you were very angry. It was way more than that. And I got almost nothing. And Whatever what happened happen with that, that company? Do they're, not, they're 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 they're
0: gone? They're not gone, but their Robotech stuff's gone because they lost the the mm-hmm. licensing. But that company still exists, uh, doing other things. Because Robotech wasn't their only thing, but yeah, no, they're I haven't looked it up recently. Because it's just anger. It's just so much anger.
1: But, yeah.
0: okay, That's where we are.
1: Well, for those that want to reach out to us about where we are at and the hobby of video games are in pinball, you can always email us at gmail at gmail.com or go to facebook.com slash podcast. We're available on Twitch, Twitter, and Instagram as eclectic underscore Gamer. And we'll be back in a couple of weeks with who knows what news. Uh, possibly Rush. I'm I'm, just, I'm guessing a December reveal. I would think so, but um, could be January. But I think December would be a nice would be a nice drop
0: if they could get some LES and stuff available just before Christmas.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'd be a treat treat for all of you ten thousand plus some other thousands by Christmas. Christmas, yep. yay! Well, until then, I am Dennis. I'm Tony.
0: Goodbye, everybody. See ya.